0: Welcome to How the Fuck Did You Get So Confident? My name is Rebecca, and this is the podcast where I interview my friends and peers to figure out, well, how the fuck they got so confident. In this episode, I Skype with actress Kalita Jones. We discuss growing up on a military base, how moving around frequently contributes to confidence, racism in America and abroad, and more. This is How the Fuck Did You Get So Confident? With guest Kalita Jones. Hey, Kalita. Hey, Rebecca. How's it going? It's going, girl. It's going. It's going all it's right. It's going. <laughs> uh, thanks for giving me your time and for chatting with me.
1: Well, thank you for having me, my dear. Um.
0: So this podcast is uh, devoted to confidence and you being one of my most confident friends. I wanted to chat with you about it. That being said, you know... The world is changing right now um and there's a lot going on and a lot to talk about so i want this to be a platform and a space that we can talk about not only confidence which is what the podcast was originally intended for but also talk about other issues that might be on our minds or things that we just want to bring up and um, put into the universe and into the listeners um so that being said uh We'll start with confidence, and we'll sort we'll of walk in, in and out in different directions and see how this goes. Does that sound okay?
1: That sounds great. Okay.
0: Um, <laughs> so my first question for you is, do you consider yourself a confident person?
1: For the most part, yeah.
0: And is, yeah. That, is that something that started as a kid, or is that something that you feel like you have developed more as an adult? Like, would you consider yourself a confident child?
1: I will say I was pretty confident as a child as well. I think it attributed to me being the middle child in a really big family oh. and I had to stand out. The youngest got a lot of the attention. The older were, you know, doing their own thing. And it was just kind of like, not that I was looked over, but it was like, listen, I'm the middle child. I'm the shit mom and dad. You're going to pay attention to me. I'm on honor roll. I'm traveling the world. And it, kind of worked. I don't know. I guess I just wanted to poke my head out a little I, bit more. I think that's so interesting because
0: they've talked about some people who were only childs, um, only children. Jesus, I can't even talk. Only children. <laughs> only trials? <laughs> <laughs> um, who were only children. And they talked about um, their experience with confidence being like, having to be alone all the time and like, have imaginary friends and like learn what that, how that exists. But I haven't, um, talked to someone who's a middle child and I haven't heard that perspective of what that's Mm -hmm. like. Um, was confidence something that your parents or, uh, any, any adult in your life that was really meaningful to you, is that something that they instilled in you or were there other qualities that they were more concerned about their kids having?
1: No, not at all. And from my life, to be honest, I'd almost say that my siblings had more of an impact on how I got my confidence than my parents.
0: Oh, that's really interesting. You know,
1: I come, my dad was in the military. He worked super long hours and my dad and my stepmom raised me and they both were in the military. Wow. And so it was mostly me hanging outside with my older brother, had to watch my younger siblings. And it was like, I was always tussling with my older brother, like, okay, yeah, you have the strength, but I'm smarter than you, and I'm going to outsmart you. I had to use it, and when his friends would come around and he would try and pick on me, I had to stand out like, oh, no, you're not going to pick on me in front of your friends. You know, I just I had to instill it in myself early on. Otherwise, I was going to drown, and I refused to be picked on. I mean, I can tell you stories of like how my older brother was so mean to me, and I did a lot of crying, but... I'm just coming to this realization as an adult, I should say thank you. Because if he wasn't such an asshole to me, I probably wouldn't be as confident as I am today.
0: I was going to say, do you feel like going through uh, hardships or traumas, have going through that with your brother or anything else that you um, can think of in your childhood, has that helped you at all with building your confidence, having those like low points and having to pick yourself back up?
1: Yes, Absolutely. Um, I remember one time specifically, my brother's three years older than me, and he had a friend named Bobby, and Bobby was hot shit. Bobby was the best on the basketball team. He was best friends with my brother. They were both super popular, and Bobby was coming over. Now, my brother knew I had a crush on Bobby, so they were playing video games, and I come out, and I'm like, oh, hey, guys. My brother, out of nowhere, pins me down and farts on my face, And Bobby starts laughing. And I was mortified. I went to my room and I was like, no, I'm not going to show weakness. I came out with a belt and just started swinging at my brother. And from that day, he kind of took me seriously. Okay, I better leave my sister the hell alone. But I cried later that night because I was like, Bobby saw me get farted on.
0: (laughs) I wonder where Bobby is right now.
1: (laughs) I I have no idea. I think he's married off somewhere. But... I mean, yeah, I'm so happy we're talking about this because I never even thought about this stuff, you know, mm-hmm. until today, which is weird. But
0: that, yeah, that's so interesting because knowing you as a person, having worked with you in multiple different capacities, and uh, just being a being friends with you, I have seen how it's it goes beyond confidence because it's like confidence, but you also are so thoughtful and smart with your words. Pair that with like. Um, the ability to be outspoken. And I feel like it's just this uh, just this beautiful form of confidence that um, I don't see a lot. And I certainly want to be more like that. So I'm really grateful that we're even chatting because I'm going to pick up some tips. Um, oh, thank you. Uh, where did you learn to have that Um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, like to bounce back like that, to have that, to go to your room, grab the belt and go back out there rather than staying in your room. Like how did, how, how did you get that? How did you learn that? How did, I, I, I think that's so cool, especially as a kid, uh, being able to fight through like adolescence and puberty and all the, all the other emotions and, and things that you're learning To, instead of, like, stay in your room and cry, like, fight back. I say fight back, but it was a belt and you were fucking around, so I don't really mean fight, but.
1: I wonder, to be honest, I don't have an answer to that, Mm -hmm. but I'm guessing here, I'm wondering if I just wanted to protect my image. Like, I wanted to protect what people perceive me to be, and I didn't want anyone to see weakness, because... Soon as someone sniffs weakness, they're gonna take advantage of you. And I didn't want that to happen because my brother could always sense my weakness and he could always take advantage of me. And I didn't want anyone else to see that. And it's this almost like <laughs> it's almost like we're in Africa and a wild safari and the lions are just smelling, you know what I mean? Yeah. Looking for the weak buffalo just to go on top and I wanted to be the lion. Yeah. I didn't want to be the buffalo, if Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, but that – yeah. Oh,
0: totally. That makes complete sense. I'm trying to think of a word. For, it's not perseverance. It's not steadfastness. It's like – oh, God. What is a word I'm looking for to describe that? If you're like – if you come back at someone – I don't know. I'm going to write down steadfast. <laughs> and then I'm going to go to what the soul Um, It's like not compromising or not giving up.
1: Right. Right.
0: Um,
1: so I think with all of that, I think it was like my reputation was important to me mm. from such a young age.
0: Why do you think that is?
1: Um, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I think I felt like I was looked over with my mom and dad all the time that when I was out in public with my friends, I'm like, Oh no, you guys are going to see Kalita. You're going to know you can't mess with me. This is just how it is. No one's going to see me cry.
0: Yeah, you have such a strength about you, and um, that's another thing. I'm like, where do you get that strength from? I personally, uh, I was not a strong child like that, like how you're speaking. I was much more – I think I was told a lot that I need to, um, you know, placate to other people and – uh, make everybody comfortable, you know, like make the room that you're in comfortable. And I don't know if that's like a Southern thing where they're like, ladies need to be demure and whatever. I'm not really sure. Um, but I know that I did not have that confidence that you had. Um, and I wonder why, or that strength that you had, I wonder why that strength and that desire to not be seen as weak, was something that was so important to you then, and it was not. Imp- I wish it was important to me. Um, right. I wonder, like, what your parents or your siblings said to you to, like, give you that that thought of, like, strength and power and not being weak and not uh, wanting to see wanting people to see you cry and that sort of thing.
1: Right. I mean, I can remember. I think I was ten or eleven, and we were in England, and because my mom used to live over there for a backstory. I'm a military brat. So anyways, um, we're in an amusement park. and It was just my mother and I. And there was this really big roller coaster. My mom's like, all right, we're going on that next. And I'm like, no, mom, I don't want to go on that one. And she's like, well, why not? And I'm like, because it really hurts when we're up in the air and I lose my stomach. It hurts and it's not enjoyable. And she's like, oh, no, 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 no. If you think about it like that, it's going to hurt. We're going to go on that roller coaster. So now I'm like, "Ugh." I'm apprehensive. I'm being forced to do something I don't want to do. And you know how, like, back in the day before cell phones, you can go on the internet and stuff, you had to just, like, talk to whoever the hell you were in line with for an hour and (sighs) a half. And you just, you're just, like, looking at people all around you. Everyone's sweating. Everyone's Everyone's miserable. So
0: stinky. (laughs) Everyone's
1: stinky. Stinky weirdos with, like, 90 second ride.
0: And the shirt, they probably have the shirt that says, like, I'm with stupid. And then the other person has the shirt that says stupid. (laughs) <laughs> that's exactly. what I think of when I think of like whenever I go to amusement parks
1: <laughs> right so um, we were in line and I'm like and the whole time I'm like I don't want to do this mom and my mom was like you need to change your perception mm. if you get on this ride and we get in the air as we're click 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 clicking up and you're like oh this is going to hurt my stomach it's going to hurt but if you raise your hands in the air and you're like yeah let's do it I'm ready give it to me It's going to feel good and you're going to have so much fun. So during that whole line, I got in there. I get on the ride and I hold on tight. My mom takes my hand and she puts it in the air as we're click, 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 click. And she looks at me and I smile and, you know, and I'm like, here we go. And right as we're going down, I'm like, yeah. And then ever since that day, I love roller coasters. And that's a true story, by the way. I I didn't make that up.
0: I think that's so important being able to change your mindset about something. Um, Yeah. And having your mom instill that in you as a a child in a story that you remember to this day is so cool and so important. And I think that's, that's definitely something that I want to work on, like being able to like change the narrative in my head that I'm telling myself about something. Um, You mentioned traveling and being a, and being a military brat. Um,
1: How often did you move as a kid? Oh my goodness. So I was born in Brooklyn and then from Brooklyn, we went to New Jersey and I went to kindergarten there and then we moved to Texas and then we moved to Germany. And then I didn't leave Germany. I was in Germany for eight years until I was getting ready to go into high school as a freshman. Mm -hmm. And then I went to Virginia And you want to talk about a culture shock? I mean, I love the Spice Girls. I was wearing the platform shoes. We wore baggy clothes. I came to America and they were like, what are you wearing? Get rid of those German brands. You look like you're fucking crazy. Really? (laughs) Yes. So then I changed my outfits and I was, you know, became more Americanized. But um, we... I would say we moved so much. I can't even tell you how many times we moved because even within those eight years in Germany, we moved four times to different bases. Right. So, I mean, it was like, maybe that also attributes. That's what I was going to ask. I always, I was always the new kid in every school and I hated it because people already had their friends that they knew from the year before. And here I am like, Hey, can I sit next to you at the lunch table? You know, and then I had to make myself stand out to make them want to hang out with me because I was just, you know what I mean? I think yeah. I had it down pat, you know?
0: Yeah. I think I was going to ask that. I was going to say, like, having to make new friends and move new cities and be in a new environment and be around different people, I can't imagine that that didn't contribute to your confidence, like ha- like being forced into these situations, being, like, forced into yeah. these hard, difficult um, moments. I'm going to write that down, too.
1: Um and it was so uncomfortable. Like, I always hated the first day of school. Yeah. I always stressed about my outfit, what my hair would look like. I would get no sleep the day before. And then it was just like, after the first day of school, you're like, oh, this is easy. I can do this again. But it's just like, something about that first day of school, I'm like, oh, here we go again. You know? Yep. Yeah. Um, did you have that too?
0: I moved, I moved a lot. Not as much as you. Um, but I did move a good amount to where I felt like I... I was good at making friends, but I also feel like I didn't, I didn't um, know myself. Do you feel mm-hmm. like you knew yourself at that time? I feel like as a, you know, even, I mean, elementary, middle school, high school, all of that. Like, I was like, oh, what do you guys like? That's what you like? Cool. I like that too. I usually revolved around what boys liked, to be honest with you. Oh, um, yeah, me too. I like don't have a strong father figure, um, didn't, wasn't really around and don't have a really, have a relationship with now. But, um, that I think really caused me to like seek out men or boys even like growing up being like, what are the men like? What are the boys like? All right, I'm going to do that. Um, or as opposed to now being older, I'm like, okay, well, what do I like? Like, I don't even know what I like. There's a certain point You know, I was like, I don't even know what I like because it was it always revolved around men. Yeah. And women both. But like not having a father figure, I think, like really affected me a lot. Um, uh, Did you did you grow up with you said you grew up with uh, your mom and stepdad and your step and
1: your dad? No, my father and my stepmom raised me. okay, your father and your stepmom. And then it wasn't until my dad and I had a huge argument my sophomore year in high school that I went and lived with my mom for my remaining two years of adolescence. How did that affect you? Um I don't know. I guess I mean I'll be totally honest with you. And also child, we don't
0: have to talk about this if you don't want to talk
1: about no, it. No, no, no. Okay. I wanna I wanna get it out. It needs to come out. <laughs> no, um, I'll be totally honest with you. mom and dad as a child, they were like superheroes to me. And then now as a, an adult, I look at them and I see all their flaws. I see they are just human. And I'm like, wow, mom, why'd you do that? Dad, why'd you do that? Long story short, my father read my diary and found out I was having sex. Mm. And even though let's not get this twisted, even though my father raised me, he was not there for me emotionally. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. My dad is Dominican. He comes from a very um, patriarchy culture and he was military on top of that. Like he'd say, you need to be home by 1700 hours or he was just very schedule oriented. He was almost robotic Hmm. and he was never there for me emotionally. And this kind of attributes to kind of like kind of what's going on today. One of my best friends and I got into a really big fight and I saw her sister when I was coming back from the gym and she knew I wasn't her sister's friend anymore. She called me the N word. And I came home. Wait, this is recently or this was back? Oh, no, no. This is back in Germany. Sorry. I should give you a (laughs) time. This is in the eighth grade and this is in Germany and this is on a military base. It's all American. Okay. And her sister called me the N word. I came home screaming, crying. And my dad is the first person I saw when I opened the door and he just starts yelling at me stop all that crying. What's wrong with you? Stop it. I can't. And I'm like, someone just called me and he's like, shut up. Tell me what's wrong with you. Just no empathy whatsoever. And so whatsoever. So thank God my stepmom came out and she was like, Hey, she kind of gave me a hug. Take your time. But yeah, that's maybe that attributed to it too. Yeah. Yeah. I've
0: never been to Germany. I know nothing uh, about that country. Bu- about the country, um, yeah, w- yeah. I didn't even I knew you lived there. I didn't realize it was for eight years. That's a long time.
1: Yeah, it was a long time. Um,
0: being on an American base, do you? And I don't also don't know much about what a what being on a base entails. Do you stay on the base for the, the most of the time, or do you like go to the other parts of the country, or?
1: Yeah, so you stay on the base most of the time. They have everything you need there. They have a grocery store. They even had a bowling alley. They had a wow. shop that if you wanted to. Yeah. There was no reason for you to leave the base. And the school. Um, a school's on there? A school, yeah. Elementary, middle, and high school. Wow. Um, The only reason you would leave the base is to, like, go explore uh, Germany, you know? Yeah. Get to know the locals outside the base, but... Pretty much, I was
0: raised on the base. Did you experience um, a lot of, or any, I guess, racism or intolerance in Germany? You, I mean, clearly, there was one incident that you just said.
1: Um, well, that's so funny. The incident that I did have of racism was from an American on an American base. That's so interesting. Yeah. So, um, when we would go off base... And I would, my parents would like go to a German bakery and they'd be like, Hey, there's a park right there. We'll come get you an hour. We're going to go walk around town and whatever. Um, and my brother and I would be on the park this is back in the day when you can do this stuff, the German kids would come up to me and they, the first thing they wanted to do was touch my hair because they're not used to, you know, my puffy hair type. But it was never like, no, you can't play with me. It was more of like, I don't understand what you're saying and your hair is unique, I want to touch it. Yeah,
0: how did that make you feel?
1: It just it just was a communication aspect. They were never mean to me, yeah. never. Yeah. And even going to German restaurants, we got stared at a lot because probably we were interracial family. My father looks white and my stepmom is black and our family's all different colors and we were American and we stood out as Americans. But it was never like a table saying like, we don't want to sit next to you. I never experienced any of that in Germany. Never. Not once. And that's so funny. Just to go off on a tangent, Michael, my husband and I, we travel all the time and we always say we don't experience racism until we hit America. Really? Hands down. Hands down. I I have so many stories of racism. Like I can just, I'm not going to go through them all, but I mean, going go through whatever yeah,
0: go through whatever you want and feel comfortable with and want to bring up. Um.
1: Well, just because in relation to Germany, um I remember us coming back to America for the summer, and uh, we were in Florida visiting family, and it was a huge hurricane, and we were starving. We stopped at a local Denny's. I don't know if it was close to Miami somewhere around there. and uh, we waited at our table for twenty five minutes. The server would not serve us. Wow. We got no service at all. And we had to leave and end up getting like McDonald's or something. Wow. But we never experienced that in Germany. Never, not once. People were very kind to us. That is that is so interesting because
0: I didn't realize how um, localized racism is to the United States. Because I just, I mean, obviously I'm a white woman, so one I don't have that experience, um, personally, but two, I just, like, I haven't traveled as much as you, and so, like, mm-hmm. I don't, I haven't even had the chance to, like, witness any, anything like that, because I just, I've been to, like, a couple places, and that's it, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, and, like, even now, it's, like, hard for me to, like, know how to navigate these conversations, especially now, because it's, like, it's so important, but I also, like, don't want to, you, I don't want to say the wrong thing or you know, I'm just I'm also trying to figure it out. So if I uh, have a misstep in this conversation, I already um apologizing for that. Um, well, no,
1: see, that's the thing. I don't want you to walk on eggshells. I want you to say how you feel. I want to hear you too. Yeah, and I appreciate you listening to me. And if there's something that I say that rubs you the wrong way or something that you say, and I'm like, Rebecca, I don't feel comfortable with that because this, this, and this. Then we hear each other out, and that's how we learn. Mm-hmm. But if I'm like, uh, "Rebecca, is it okay if I ask you how you feel being around all black people?" And you're, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, no, let's get it out there. Let's fucking talk about it, so we can get past the shit and get on the other side. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. God, I love that. So, you. ask me everything. Uh, ask.
0: <laughs> okay, well, Kalida, how, how do you feel about being around all white people? Or I even, I don't even think, uh, I don't even think. <laughs> I don't even know if you are, like, I don't even know even that, I guess.
1: Um. Um, well, so I went to a very diverse school in Virginia when, when I was living with my father. When I went to go live with my mother, now, I think I've told you this before, but she lives in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, which is Amish people, only black family. And inside Lancaster County, she lived in Ephrata which is just farmland, and it's a very, very small town. Is your mom black? Yes, she okay. is. She's Trinidadian, black, and my father's Dominican, um, but my father passes as white. Got it. You know what's so funny? This is a little tangent. My dad's mom is black okay. from Dominican Republic, and his father was in the CIA, and he's a white man. He's British. My father came out white, and he still looks white to this day. And everyone's like, oh, my God, Cleta, that's your dad? Like, yeah, that's my father. Like, oh. But my dad is, he just looks white. I'll show you a picture after yeah. this. And um, it's so weird because my dad, who is half black but looks straight up white, my dad doesn't even realize he has white privilege. That's
0: interesting.
1: Yeah. That's yeah.
0: interesting. I, that's we'll have even these conversations
1: else. with my own father who has navigated through this world as a white man and he doesn't understand some of the things that I go through.
0: Really? Because
1: yeah, because his his heritage and his DNA, he's half black but his skin is white. So, he doesn't understand what I talk about. Wow. My progressions, race. He doesn't get it. And that's my own father. Isn't that crazy? That is really crazy.
0: That sounds yeah. really that's really hard. Um anything with family stuff is so hard uh to like know yeah. like what to, at least this is what I'm going through. Um, Like, at what point do you just like cut someone out of your life? You know, not saying that that's your dad at all. I'm speaking from what's going on in my life, but like just navigating family is so hard. It's like, at what point is, are they blood? But like, you're like, you're not a good person. Like, I don't, I don't know. It's such a, it's such a tricky thing. Family is. Um,
1: Family is so tricky for me. It's like when they start to become toxic, and we can't work through things. I'm sorry. Family is what you make it. You know what I mean? That's how I feel too. Like, I just have to cut you out and my family will grow in other ways. Mm-hmm. I have friends who I will call before I will call a family member. Oh, you know wh- what I mean? Yeah, 1,000%. Like, Me too. Yeah. Um,
0: okay, so you're back to your mom, Amish country.
1: Oh, yes. Sorry. Yes. So, okay. So I told you I hate first day of school. Yeah. I knew the town was white, but I had no idea it was this white. And I think the school had 500 and something kids. I was the only black person. Um, there was, I lie, there was a guy who was half black, half white. And when I saw him, I was like, you know, hi. And he kind of like looked past me, you know, just like, okay. You know what I mean? Like for him, it didn't register. Um, because he grew up there and those were his friends and he was just used to what he was used to. But Rebecca, when I tell you the school was white, I mean, kids wore Confederate flags on their shirts. Um, I would be a super Republican town. I mean, I, I was in honors English class and I was doing a presentation and someone yelled out coon. The teacher didn't even try to investigate. They don't care. Um, I had never been in a physical fight before in my life. My first physical fight, I was eating peanuts in class and I was doing, my math homework for my next class. Cause I didn't do it the night before. And this girl came up to me and she was like, you can't eat those peanuts here. And I was like, well, if the teacher has a problem, the teacher will tell me and then boom N word. And that was the first time I've ever been in physical altercation. And even with her calling me that she hit me first and I was basically defending myself. So that was a very rough two years of high school. I remember I was even in art class. Where everyone's accepted. There's no wrongs in art class. It's all subjective. And I was, we were building clay. We had to build a human from the shoulders up. And I was building a man with like muscular shoulders and dreadlocks. You know, I was imagining something from Caribbean. I'm Caribbean heritage. And oh my gosh, boy, did I get so much shit. Oh, I bet he's from BET channel. Why do you guys have your own channel? There's not a white entertainment television oh my gosh, why is there in rap music so much bass? Is that reminiscence of the drums in Africa? I got all these fucking questions. I became the voice of all black people in this small town of Ephrata. I used to cry to my mother. There was a school over that had, it was more mixed with like Latinos and blacks and whites, everything. And I'm like, mom, can I go to that school? And she's like, no, because we're out of that district, I would have to pay for you to go to that school. And being a single mom, I can't pay for that. So you're stuck at the school. I another time in my life, I had to fucking toughen up. It's just I feel like it's just different stages. You just have to fucking toughen up. Stage 1, family, brother, toughen up. Stage 2, all of these crazy schools that i'm going to in the military i'm the new person stage three going to all white school toughen up it's just like i'm tired of fucking toughing up yeah i just want to be human you know yeah but Do yeah that's that was oh that was hard that was a hard two years rebecca that sounds incredibly difficult but you know what i'm gonna be 100 percent honest with you and this is uncomfortable saying as a black person to a white person and and you and i are good friends After those two years of myself going to college, I thought about joining the Black Panthers. Like I felt my skin was never gonna be accepted. I just need to stick with my own kind and I need to be powerful. And I saw the Black Panthers as powerful. And it's so funny how the universe works because my roommate for my new school, my university I went to, I'm not giving them a shout out because they don't deserve it, but. (laughs) Yeah, fuck
0: them. I don't
1: even know who it (laughs) is, but fuck them. Student loans, fuck them. Yeah. She was a frail, tiny white girl and she was gothic and she was a goth, but she loved rainbows. So all of her stuff was either super black or had rainbows on it. I love her. And she played the craziest punk rock music. I mean, if you want to describe like typical white girl in 18 (laughs) who was figuring themselves out, Blair was it. And (laughs) as much as I came in with like so much hurt and hate in my heart, Blair helped me to see that no, 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 those were sick, closed minded human beings in that small town. I love you for who you are and you love me for who I am. And it reset my mind back to boom, get that out of my head. I had to repress those memories and let's get back to life. Let's go have fun. I went to the club with Blair. We went shopping. I went to her house for Thanksgiving. I mean, we're still friends to this day, but it was like, I, I thank God for Blair coming into my life.
0: Yeah, that's so big. And that's also such a, um, I mean, just like a really – I don't know what the word that I'm looking for is, but like harmonious stance that you took like going from one because I wouldn't blame you if you were still feeling the way you did when you wanted to be a black panther like even to this day if you felt that way I would still <laughs> I would still support you and um but I just can't imagine those 2 years in your high school because I've never experienced something like that and I've actually never in person seen anything like that um, on, you know, and videos are in the media and, you know, I've seen it there, but like I've never witnessed it, that type of racism and hate in real life. Um,
1: Rebecca, it was so bad. After we got into that physical altercation, I came back to school and everyone said that, I got beaten up, but you couldn't tell I got beaten up because my skin was black and it hides bruises. <laughs> I mean, now I, as an adult, I can laugh at the stupidity of this shit, but being an emotional fucking teenager going through the shit, that oh, was so hard. That's so First, everyone's hard. Thing, I got my ass beat, which I didn't. Not that I advocate for physical violence. Number but... one,
0: let it be clear. <laughs>
1: I did not get
0: my I did ass not get beat. Get my ass beat. I beat ass. I did not get my ass beat.
1: Um, but I did I did have an ally, the principal. He came from the city and it was his first year in that school. And he kinda put me under my under his wing. He would check in on me. He told me, if you ever have a situation like that, come to my office. He suspended her for five. I got suspended for two days. And he looked out for me. And if it wasn't for Dr. Porter, who was the principal, I wouldn't have made it through. Wow. Even to this day, I look for him like, online. Like, where is Dr. Porter? I cannot find him. But he uh, he helped me a lot.
0: Yeah. Would you say that like having a mentor like that helped you with your confidence?
1: I mean, during these two years... That I've dealt with the most racism I've ever dealt with in my life. I had no confidence. Yeah, because everything was broken down to my soul. Like oh my I God. wore Timberlands because I thought they were cool. They wore like those Abercrombie and American Eagle stuff. You know, like those different kind. Like I hated that brand because they were all. I mean, these were preppy white kids with money. You know what I mean? And here I am, black, from a single mom right now. Even if, you know even though I didn't come from that kind of family, but my mom was a single mom at the time and I dressed different. I wore my hair different. It's just like every way I was, I would try and fit in. I joined the basketball team and then I didn't get much play because I don't know. I thought I was great, but apparently I wasn't. Do you think that (laughs) was because you're a black woman? I do. I do. Yeah. I joined, um, I was in the orchestra um I I mean I just I would join different things to try and feel accepted
0: and you just didn't it never happened
1: I never felt included no not like how you and I are when we go on set we're on a on a we're filming you know you and I we we click you know what I mean like all of us we click we made fun of the same people stuff like that (laughs) but like back then I just wanted to be I just wanted to be accepted, and I never was. That's why I'm saying those two years were rough. I mean, yeah, I deal with my everyday microaggressions. I go shopping in the store. Someone follows me, and I'm kind of past all that shit. You just kind of – you just live with it. You just learn to live as a black woman in America. But those two years broke me down. They broke me.
0: I hear you say, Mm -hmm. like, you live with it, and I'm just like – Yeah. I I just hate that so much. Like, that is so – unfair awful disgusting and you're over here with you just being this wonderful person that you are and you're like yeah I just live with it and that to me is uh so heartbreaking and I I just love you so much um well I love you too um do you feel like being a black woman forced you to be
1: um more tough I feel like there's this preconceived notion when someone sees a black woman, they expect us to be tough. They expect us to be like, I don't know, like kind of like they have it down, know it all angry black woman perception mm-hmm. always happens. Um, I, I think they just perceive us to be confident. And in reality is we're all over just like any other race of people are, you know? Of course.
0: It just sounds like from hearing your family, uh, you're having to toughen up with your brother, having to toughen up with your father on the base, and especially in this school, that you had to be stronger than your peers and that, is so not fair and shouldn't be put on you. It's not your responsibility to be tougher than anybody else. It's not your responsibility to be hard. You're allowed to, of course, have cry and have your emotions. And it just from listening to you right now, it just feels like a lot was put onto you as a kid and um, a teenager that, uh, in regards to having to be tough, that. It, is so not your responsibility, especially as a child. Um, yeah. Uh, but you are such a wonderful person. And um, obviously. Well, I, thank
1: you, Becca. <laughs> um, thank you.
0: I'm really trying to be better about just like listening and um, not doing all this talking and just listening. Oh, no,
1: yeah. Yeah. You're doing great. Number one, it is your podcast. Number two. (laughs)
0: Um, I was going to – my next question was going to be, did you go through – have you gone through anything uncomfortable in your life that, that has made you a more confident person? Uh, <laughs> but it sounds like we kind of tackled a little bit of it, and now I'm trying to think of something. Like, um, what's your experience in LA been like? You know, like, have you gone through anything? And also, obviously, I want to hear about all the joys that you have had in your life that have brought you confidence. Like your child. <laughs> I'm wish we could talk all day about. You just have so many different parts of your life that I feel like um, have attributed to your confidence. Like, I can't even imagine. What being a mother has done to your confidence, too. Going from like not knowing, not having to take in, take care of another human, to now you have to like keep a baby alive and <laughs> and, and help that baby thrive. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So like, I guess my question is, uh, either or, I guess, have you gone through anything that has shaken your confidence, or have you gone through anything that has just like made you such a confident
1: woman, positive or negative? Um, something that made me a confident woman, I will say that mama bear thing is real. Yeah, it is so real. Like, it doesn't even matter if it's Michael, my husband, if he accidentally trips and then she falls, I will jump and pounce on him. And I mean, in public, especially with the Corona, and they're like, Oh, she's so cute. And they touch, don't touch my child. Sorry, coronavirus, back up. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, like. I'm just so protective over her. I'm protective over her aura. I mean, it's not, I'm so selfless. It's not even about me anymore. It's about her. Everything is about her. But on the same time, when she does fall, I'm so quick to be there like, no, 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 I'm brush her knees. And Michael's like, no, 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 she needs to toughen up. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, wait a minute. That's how I was raised. I don't want her to be tough. I just want her to be herself. Mm. But then I'm like, she is going to be navigating through this world as a black woman. She does need to toughen up. That breaks my heart. It sucks, but it's the fucking truth. It sucks to hear, and I hate to say it, but it's the truth. It's the damn truth. And that's really hard too. Raising
0: a child, knowing she's going to be a black woman, knowing like how, where's the boundary at like be yourself versus toughen up, like having to like navigate that, which is, yeah. is probably great. why you and Michael are like such great parents is that you like balance each other out too,
1: potentially. We do. You know? He, yeah. He's the yin to my yang. Um. You know what? Though you're talking about Los Angeles, I'd say the most I haven't experienced racism like that out here. I mean, of course, I see it on the news with Huntington Beach and all that shit. But yeah, well, am <laughs> fucking crazy. I know, but I would say I do, of course, experience micro. Uh, I'm blanking on the word. Was Aggra- it microaggressions? Like, Thank you.
0: Like grocery store people and yes. you, you were mentioning.
1: But I experience them the most at work. That is when I get them hardcore. Oh, wait. Explain this. So, you know, I work at a steakhouse. I'm a waitress. And I'll go to a table like, hi, welcome to blah, blah, blah. I'll be your server today. And people are like, oh, you speak so well. Where are you from? I get that a lot. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not kidding you. I had another lady give me her business card. She's like... You speak so well. You are you were so kind to us. I'd like to offer you a job. And I'm like, I'm not looking for a job. A job what doing what,
0: lady? Like you have no <laughs> idea what my qualifications are.
1: And I asked her and it's just like something selling clothes in her store and I'm like, no, that's not going to offer me any availability nor more money. Thank you. Have a good day. <laughs> I don't need saving. You know, I'm yeah. here because I want to be here. Oh also, coming back after COVID, um, last weekend was my la- my first. I was gonna day say, are you
0: guys? And this is—we should be clear that this restaurant is in Los Angeles.
1: It's in the middle. It's downtown. So in it's the not heart in. You know,
0: it's not in like fucking Huntington Beach. It's no. It's, it's in Los Angeles. Okay.
1: The first thing my boss says to me now: it's in a big plaza, and it's next to like there's Target, there's Nordstrom Rack, blah blah blah, and. I'm walking down the stairs, and he sees me, and he's like, hey. And I'm like, oh, hey. And everything's kind of boarded up. And he goes, yeah, they looted that target. <laughs> I go, okay. It's terrible. It's just terrible. Oh, my God. And he's my boss. So yeah. I I bite my tongue because I need the job. But part of me wanted to say, yeah, well, it's fucking terrible what they did to George Floyd. Let's not start the narrative there of looting. Let's start it on how the fuck it started. This is the effect, but what caused this? But I'm like, you know what? Whatever I say, he's just... Some people are so stuck in their ways. I'm, just, I'm not even going to waste my breath. That's what I'm doing these days. I don't even care anymore. Fuck it. Yeah. You feel that way? Fuck it. I'm going to vote. You're going to vote. That's it. It is what it is. Fuck it.
0: I can't handle people with their... <laughs> I literally on my phone now have um like a note section that i have like a canned response for like every uh because i know what what racist people are gonna say they're gonna go yeah but the looting so then i have like a canned response that i've written that i can just like <laughs> copy and paste into whoever needs to read it um uh what else do fucking racist people say black on black crime that's another one that oh that's the-
1: my favorite one
0: <laughs> That's another one that I have a... you are like, yeah,
1: well, what about black-on-black crime? I'm like, yes, I was waiting for you to say that. (laughs) I have a perfect response,
0: all pre-written up for you. Um, Yes,
1: please give me more of your talking points. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: Have you... um, In your time in LA, when when have you felt like the most confident? Um, It doesn't have to be... uh, acting related or anything it could be like when you got married or when you had a, your baby or mm-hmm. um, or it can be acting related when you feel confident like are you a great auditioner is that something that is <laughs> shaking her head now uh, <laughs> um, when, do, when do you feel like the most confident woman
1: at the gym really yeah you know what it is I'm one of those people that I don't like working out by myself. I have to be in a class. And <laughs> because I work out all the time, I'll find the person who is, I think the best in the class. And the next time I take the class, I'll stand right next to them <laughs> just to push myself. And I may go downstairs and throw up in the bathroom, but God damn it. If you did 29 burpees, I did 30. <laughs> yeah, and you're like puking later. Uh, yeah. uh. That's when I feel the most confident in the gym in LA. As far as LA, because yeah. you know this is a very superficial place where everyone has perfect bodies and perfect image.
0: Yeah, where where do you feel it if it if it wasn't LA? Like, where do you feel most confident?
1: Um, I don't know. I I feel like I'm trying to um, put most confident with most comfortable. You mm. know, that's um, good. And Traveling, navigating my way through, having fun, mm. um, on the beach, getting drinks, being having fun with friends, having friends over. Are you I get an extrovert? You're an extrovert, and... right? Yes, I I became one though. I don't. I feel like I wasn't though. Really? In the beginning. Yeah, I feel like I forced myself to be one. But that's when I feel most confident. When I'm most comfortable. When you're most. Comfortable. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah. No, that does make sense. Um, like like. Do you, like, experiencing new things, do you feel, yeah, okay. Yeah. I want to make you take this Enneagram quiz that, like, it's like Oh, so, I'll do it. Okay, well, you'll do it? I'm so, yeah. oh, my God, I'm dying because I'm so excited about what uh, number you're going to be. I'm so excited.
1: <laughs> this is, I know this is your podcast, but I'm curious, when do you feel most confident? Oh, my
0: gosh, no one's asked me this so far. <laughs>
1: <gasps> is it when you're writing your fiancé? Sorry, did your <laughs> Do your parents listen to this? Uh,
0: um, Yeah, it's when I'm reverse cowgirl. Um, (laughs) I'm not going to edit this out. (laughs) (laughs) I feel most confident. Kalita, I don't know anymore, if I'm being honest with you. Mm. I feel right now, um, you know, right before... Right before COVID happened, I was in, I go to therapy and I was in a therapy session and me and my therapist were like, or my therapist was like, you know, maybe you don't need to be coming once a week. Like maybe we could lessen the amount. Um, you've been in here a couple week for a couple of years now. And I really felt confident then. And then like a week after my family fell apart, COVID happened, um, uh, now with, with all of the the black people that are being murdered f- by white police officer like the world just started unraveling and i i still go to therapy every week virtually now but i was like Hey, remember that one time we thought I didn't need to be in therapy anymore? <laughs> like that seems like a crazy pipe dream now. Now I'm like, how many times uh, will my insurance pay for my therapy? Like how many times can I come to this? Um, so I will say that my confidence peaks and valleys. Um, but I love talking to pe- I love talking to other people. I love hearing people's stories. I love knowing their journeys. I love, um, I feel confident doing that. I feel, I feel confident listening and empathizing and getting, I'm, I, I'm, I'm feel like I'm an empath. So I have the ability to sort of like get down in the hole with someone else, um, when they're experiencing trauma and and it's hard, but like, I just feel like that's where I, and my best self is like when I'm really empathizing with somebody. So I feel most confident when I'm having conversations like this. I get yeah. Ner- I get nervous, um, but it's only because I care so much about um, sharing people's stories, uh, and so I I do feel confident in talking with with other people about it. Um, I, mean, I think yeah. it's especially important right now for white folks to. I mean, it's always been important. I sh- I say right now. I don't mean right now. I mean it's always. I mean it's always been important, and we chose to uh, focus on things that made us feel more comfortable instead of what we should have been doing, which is having these conversations and feeling discomfort and moving through it and uh, lifting Black voices up and. Um, we should have been doing that all along and we haven't been. Uh, so I don't know where I'm going with that. My mind's all over the place these days, but that's something that I think white, white folks who are listening to this can, um, can do right now. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and we're inevitably going to screw up and fuck up, but we will learn, like you said, and when we have these conversations, um, yeah, uh, I was going to say, you sound
1: pretty damn confident right now. Give yourself some credit. (laughs) This is your shit. You're owning it. You're running your podcast. You are confident, Rebecca, right the fuck now. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks,
0: Mama Kalita. I can say that now because you're a mother. (laughs) And you're also my mother. (laughs) Uh, That's funny. uh, I need to always just have like a little Kalita on my shoulder to be like.
1: Yes. Like an alarm clock, I want to be your alarm clock, Rebecca. It's six a.m. Wake the fuck up with your confidence, bitch. You are that bitch today. It's Monday, bitch.
0: Go get the
1: world.
0: Uh, well, I have this recording, so I'm now gonna record it and make it. uh, If not my alarm clock, my ringtone. Uh,
1: wait, I have to do one for Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I would love that. And then, yeah, we'll have a. We need you to text message one when I get a text message uh it's gonna be you being like is this person worth your time number one number two like (laughs) before you pick up the phone (laughs)
1: um
0: uh how has being a mother affected Mm. your confidence all right well (laughs) i love the way this is starting already
1: (laughs) i don't know where to start with that yeah i will be completely 100 percent honest with you about this yeah go When I first had Nina from other parents and friends and family, they were like, when you see your little bundle of joy, your heart's going to open and you've never felt love like that in your life. I had Nina after five hours of pushing and I just looked at her and she looked at me and then the doctor's like, oh, put her on your nipple so she can, uh, you know, breastfeed. And she's on my nipple and she's breastfeeding and she's just staring at me and I'm just staring at her. And I didn't feel any of that. And I felt like shit because I didn't feel any of that. Mm. I felt like, hi, welcome to our family. Welcome to Earth. You know, I didn't feel that immense. I mean, I loved her, but I didn't feel like that super strong connection. And it took like a couple months and then I thought something was wrong with me that I didn't feel that like maybe I had depression or postpartum Mm -hmm. depression. Now, I mean, oh, my gosh, that's my that's my angel. She's my everything. But it took some time for me to be there. And so I just want people to know that that's okay too. It, It doesn't have to be one way. And maybe that relates to your podcast too. You don't have to get your confidence from one way. We all go through different experiences. In fact, we're products of our experiences that make us. So if you don't have confidence, you can get it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a set of, it's a mindset. And so with this little person being on me, I just, you know, here I go. I'm her mom, I'm who she's going to look up to as a superhero and there came the confidence. Everything I did was with conviction because I'm doing it for someone else now, not myself. Mm. That's that, um, yeah, so now that she's 17 months, she does my favorite thing. We were just in Home Depot. She cries when she's in the stroller because she's in the stroller too long. I get her out the stroller to hold her hand because I don't want her touching anything because of the COVID. And she does this little flop on the floor. Then I've got to pick her up. And I've got the cart. And I go, oh, it's fun. Toddler years are fun. (sighs) Do you want kids? Because I remember we had this conversation at work one time. (laughs) I wanted to see if your mind stance changed. Uh,
0: I mean, we, I feel like I am a, not a completely different person. But I I also feel like we had the conversation of like, so you want to get married? Yeah. So you want to get married? And I was like, hell no. (laughs) And you're like, kids? And I'm like, nope.
1: Uh, you know, uh, you weren't nope for kids. You were like, the world's already overpopulated, and I don't want to contribute. And I was like, yeah, as I'm trying to get pregnant. You're right, Rebecca. I'm sorry. <laughs> that must be so.
0: That must be no, so. No, no, don't be sorry. To say Come that. on,
1: uh, don't be sorry. That shit is funny as hell. Uh, <laughs> I
0: don't know. Do we need? Right now, I'm like, do we need another white baby in the world? I don't know. Oh, no. No, don't say that. I kind of feel like that. Don't say
1: that. I mean, I might not
0: think that later.
1: Listen, let me tell you the beautiful thing about kids. Break it down. Your child will know nothing but love. Nina sees a child. She doesn't know anything about our social status quo that we have going on right now. Nina is so about love. Prime example. The other day I was taking her on a walk and there was this group of teenagers, minority teenagers walking toward us and they had a basketball. And here I am, I'm my little mom doing my mom thing. And I'm like, oh, let me move to the other side of the street, you know, just to get out their way. And I don't want them hitting on me, making me feel uncomfortable. But for some reason, I just stayed. I was like, no, they're kids. I'm the adult. They can go on the other side of the street. And as we're approaching them, Nina puts her hand out and she waves so hard. And they waved back at her like, hey, little mama, how you doing, little mama? And they were so happy to see her. And Nina was so happy they acknowledged her. And I was like, wow, that's a damn lesson to me as an adult to stop judging people. Number one. Number two. I could have said hi. Why did it take my 17-month-old toddler to say hi before me, the adult, to say hi? I could have said hi. Was it just because they were just
0: like kids and you thought that they were...
1: They were, you know, like I thought they were going to... Like they're a little bit older, but, you know, but kids know nothing but love, Rebecca. Mm -hmm. And you and Casey are tons of love. And whatever this world... This world will never be perfect. But we can teach our kids to contribute to love. And I don't want you to ever feel guilty because you're not a racist, you're not killing unarmed black people. You shouldn't hold that angst in because that's gonna tear you apart. And the fact that you are being part of the solution, you're putting out the information out there, you're using your voice, you're using your platform, you're doing what you can for black people. That's fucking excellent. We need more people like that, all races all together. So don't you ever, you're making me cry, feel like. If you cry, if you start, child... crying, gonna start crying, I'm going to start crying. I don't want you to feel like that. I don't want you to feel like that. Because we need more good people and you would raise a great child. Oh, well, no, I'm crying. No. Uh, stop.
0: <laughs> that's, that's so nice of you to say. Um, this shit's fucking
1: complicated. It is, it is. but I don't want you, don't hold that shit in because you didn't do it. You, you're not doing it. You're not a. You don't have a Confederate flag in your closet. You know you don't have. You weren't in. Where is it? San Diego. That guy went to the grocery store with his KKK hood. What? Unfucking believable. You what? didn't see that? No. Because you have to wear a mask. He wears KKK hood to the grocery store outside San and Diego. And he was like,
0: "It's a mask. <laughs> it's a mask." I bet he. Oh my god.
1: You're not the problem, my dear. I mean, you're not the problem.
0: Hearing hearing you say that, I'm like, well, I could raise a kid who can help change things too. You know, I, yeah, I, I used to think. Also, I was like, I also don't want to have a boy, because <laughs> I was like, I don't <laughs> want another, I don't want to add another white man to our society. Um, uh-huh. uh and now I, now I'm like, well, I don't want to have a bit. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know where I stand with it, but. Um, that you raise a really good point,
1: but not just a white man, a white man that can use his privilege. And yes, I mean, there's like yeah. the Twitter, I forgot his name. I'm not doing him justice right now. There's this white guy and he had, he just made Juneteenth a holiday for all of Twitter where they get paid or whatever. Whoa. And like, and there's another white guy who was in San Francisco that had a tech company who paid Everyone, a living wage of $70,000 with benefits. Like, there's white men doing their part. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Something to think about
0: whether or not I... Something,
1: yeah, so, I mean... So back to this,
0: <laughs> you want a baby or no?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just saying, like, if that what was holding you back, fuck that. You yeah. make love to your fiance who will be soon be your husband, and you procreate and you make some beautiful tr- children who will contribute to our society in the most wonderful ways that your mind can't even imagine. Because kids are great, in fact, if all these dumbass adults who learned hate could learn from the t- kids, we'd be in a lot better place. Yeah,
0: um, man, Nina so cute. I'm just thinking of when you told me you were pregnant, I know exactly. Where i I was in my car, I know exactly the intersect the street intersection that I was at when you told me because I was
1: shocked you started screaming you're I, like what
0: <laughs> I remember exactly where I was at the intersection I was at I I, I was so shocked um. <laughs>
1: This has been such a great conversation. Um, I know. I'm sorry. I feel like I fucked up your. You're like, listen, we're talking about confidence. And I'm like, no, we're talking about this, this, no, this. No, no, not at
0: all. That's what I wanted. I want, I, you know, this podcast has been in existence for, for a little bit of time now, but it's, it can change and mold and be something else. It, like I said at the beginning, like, I don't necessarily want to talk about confidence in right now during this time, during what's happening um do you feel like hopeful or do you feel how are you feeling right now
1: i feel more hopeful than i've ever felt right now really it took for coronavirus to happen no sports going on it took no concerts everyone just to be bunkered in their damn house to see all of America's disgusting, nasty underbelly of racism. And not only did people see it, they ingested it through that fucking tape. Eight minutes and 46 seconds. I don't know if you saw the Dave Chappelle that just came out. I saw someone post about it, but I haven't had the chance to look at it yet. Oh, man. So I'm not going to ruin it. But, I mean... he. You can yeah. ta- You can ruin it. You can talk about it. Well, he just... He just says that, you know, he had his, the the way that George Floyd called out for his mama. And then to find out that his mom had already passed, she died. He knew he was going to die. He knew he was going to die. So that, as disturbing as it was, and I know people are saying don't watch those videos anymore because, of course, there's more of them. They're calling it um, death porn or something like that now. I know because they're just. I you can't watch them. Michael showed me one the other day about another police officer abusing his power, and I I feel so terrible. I forgot the victim's name, but it was a white guy actually, and he had a pellet gun because he was, um, what do you call it? Uh, like killing bugs in a. Not. What do you call it? I'm blanking right now. Like if you worked for Orkin or something. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like an exterminator? Exterminator. He was exterminating bugs and stuff with, like that. With and a he, pellet gun? He had a pellet gun because he was getting a specific type of rodent. Like he was oh, laying stuff out. Interesting. So a neighbor saw him and thought it was an actual gun. So the police came and told him to get down, drop the, he dropped it. He had nothing on him. Told him to get on his knees, lay down. He laid down. Then they told him, cross your left leg over your right leg and get up. It was like, and then he was like, move forward slowly, but don't move or something. It was super, extremely confusing directions that he was giving this poor man. And he was doing everything he could to his knowledge. And at one point, he had him crawl toward the police officer very slowly, and he lost his balance and went over, and the cop just slaughtered, and he lost his life. And... This is so uncomfortable for me because I mean, we've known this has been happening. We know there are white supremacists in the police force. We, we know that the police force started as a way to capture runaway slaves. It is embedded in racism. And of course, not all cops are bad, but when the good cops aren't speaking out and telling those bad cops, then they become bad as well and they are abusing their power. I mean, Rebecca, I got pulled over two years ago and I was frightened. I started crying. I I was like, oh my God, I'm gonna be Sandra Bland. You know what I mean? Because you know, with confidence, this ties back to your podcast, I have a smart ass mouth, (laughs) you know what I mean? And I'm like, I'm gonna die today. (laughs) But this shit is fucking scary. And that's what black people deal with all the time. I know you saw the day before yesterday, two teens were walking on a street and got arrested for jaywalking a street that had no sidewalk. Yeah. <laughs> it had no sidewalk. And these stories come out on a daily basis. Right. All the goddamn time. It's so suffocating. I'm so tired of it. Yeah. So, People are like, oh, the system isn't working. No, no, no. The system is working exactly who it was intended to work for. Yep. We need to break it. Yep. And make it work for all. So what was your question? (laughs) (laughs) That was the
0: answer to the question. (laughs) Okay, great. I passed. (laughs) Uh, uh, Someone was talking about defund the police and um, AOC had... And it was the, the question was like, well, what does that look like? It was like, what does defund the yeah. police look like? And her response was like, it looks like a white suburban neighborhood, like where they don't have a lot of cops because they invest their money in resources and after school programs and they invest in the community. You, If you go to a white suburban area, you don't see the the amount of cops that you see in a city because they're using that yeah. money you know to fund the community
1: people think that defunding the police means taking all their funds and there's no more police department no it's reallocating the money to places where it can build the, communi- the community right for example if a kid goes and steals a candy bar from a store and it's like okay why is he stealing the candy bar from the store cuz he he needs a job and his community doesn't have a job and he now you know with the new money we can get a counselor and we can solve the root of the issue everything doesn't deserve jail time
0: right exactly exactly and it's like in in aoc's comment she was like she didn't use this candy bar example but it was something similar where it was like the town does whatever they can to make sure that jail's the last uh the last step not the first step and that's what it should be that's what defund the police is all about um
1: I mean, and then people are like, oh, well, if someone murders, yeah, of course, a murderer or a rapist or any, you know, terrible crime, of course they belong in fucking jail. But those aren't everyday citizens walking up and down the street with a right. hood on getting targeted. You know what I mean? Right. Like, come on. Right. There's a lot of things that we need to do better. Oh, yeah. Well, let
0: me see what time we're at. We're over an
1: hour. Oh, shit.
0: Whatever. The world could use... Many, many, many Use more, more time. They could use many more hours listening to Kalita talk. So um, I feel like this should be a part one. I feel like we need to continue this conversation on another day. Maybe we'll just start a new podcast called Kalita and Rebecca and we just talk.
1: Oh, yeah. No, that's great. I think, I think that's that's a great idea. Not
0: against it. Um, uh, okay. So these are Kalita's. I know this talk, we discuss things other than confidence, which um, I'm – So glad that we did, Uh, but I did jot down some notes about confidence uh, for anyone who's interested in learning about Kalita's Tips for Confidence. Stand out, steadfastness, change your perception, move locations, move through uncomfortableness, also move your body, whether it's at the gym, through a class, um, travel the world, navigate Well, I wrote down navigating through the world. So, like, by that, Cleto was talking about having fun and enjoying life by navigating through the world and having conviction. What else do you want to add? Do you do anything on a day-to-day basis that gives you confidence, like someone was like, I need to have a routine. I need structure. I need to wake up at this time, take out my dog. And I was like, oh, cool. I do not <laughs> relate to that. Um, like, you work out every day?
1: Yes. So well, that, three, four times a week. So yeah. that, not helps, every day.
0: that helps you. Is there anything else mm-hmm. that helps you build your confidence? Like, whether it's right before you go into an audition room or do you have, like, something you remind yourself of or anything like that?
1: I think it's it's a mental state I think it comes with age as well. It's just Mm -hmm. like, I know everything's going to be okay. And I'm, I'm at the point in my life now, honestly, that I don't give a fuck. Yeah. I came out here to be an actress. I'm doing all that I can with what I have, with my resources, with my no connections, and I'll keep auditioning. And if I make it when I'm 43, fine, fuck it. If I make it tomorrow, fine, fuck it everything works out what it's supposed to. My grandmother always says, what is for you is for you. And there's nothing that nobody can do about it. I love that so much. Um,
0: I'm I'm writing, don't give a fuck down as (laughs) well. It, It all works out. Yeah, Everything works out,
1: man. That's the truth.
0: Well, thank you for, um, lending me your time and your voice and your spirit for the past hour. Uh, I, I just love you so much. and uh, I love
1: you too. And I feel like episode number two, I want to ask you because everyone wants to know where the host gets her confidence. Oh,
0: uh, that would be – that already makes me nervous. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of How the Fuck Did You Get So Confident? I'd love to hear from listeners about things that have helped you build your confidence whether that's a mantra, a routine, maybe a favorite book or an event that you went through, leave it in the review section. Or if you have a question regarding confidence that you'd love to hear discussed on this podcast, you can leave that in the review section as well and I'll check it out. Thanks again.